Welcome to Global Yoga Flow Podcast. In this podcast, we talk about the Vibhutipada, the third chapter of the Yoga Sutras, authored by Patanjali. Let's talk a little bit about Patanjali. He was, like Albert Einstein, a wild-eyed scientist looking with fresh innocence at how the cosmos is organized. And he really was tripping out on the human experience. Where do we come from? How does our human mind work? Patanjali wanted to understand how is it that we're getting the experience that we're getting. He just knew that there was something powerful about our ability to create the human experience we were receiving. Now he saw joy and abundance coming easily to some and poverty and suffering coming more easily to others. And he wanted to understand why, and he wanted to empower all of us to be more deliberate creators so we could reclaim our natural joy. He truly believed that each of us was worthy of and capable of creating a life of well-being, of joy, of, of offering and expansion to the whole. So Patanjali asked the question, if we're creating with thought, how exactly does that work? And where does emotion come into the whole thing? And through exploration, a life of exploration and meditation and divine guidance, Patanjali built a clear roadmap of our inner workings and wrote them in his Yoga Sutras. And lucky for us, they've been preserved and passed down through the ages. So the sutras have four chapters, and the first is called the Samadhi Pada. So each chapter name has the word Pada, which means foot, but also means pathway. So the first chapter, the Samadhi Pada, speaks of our natural joy, uh, joy as the fundamental nature, Samadhi, this bliss, this union with the flow of life, the fundamental nature. And he describes the major mental obstacles that come up to interrupt this flow of joy. So in book two, the Sadhanapada, Patanjali unfolds a lifestyle that will keep our mind and body clear of the obstacles. Not absolutely, but you know, we flow in and out. These are practices to keep clearing, keep moving the roadblocks out of the way so that we can return to that natural well-being that is our birthright. So in the, the Sadhanapada, Patanjali is describing the, the first five of the eight limbs of the yoga path. Ashtanga yoga, the classic definition rather than that hot and heavy Patabi uh, um, Joyce uh, style of practicing really meant following the eight limbs. That's what Ashta Anga means. Ashta meaning eight, Anga meaning limbs, eight limb yoga. So the first five of these is what Patanjali is covering in book two or chapter two, Sadhanapada. Now in book three, the Vibhutipada, Patanjali is saying, now that we understand in book one, that joy is our birthright and we understand that it's our mental fogginess that gets in the way of receiving that joy. And now in book two, that we have developed a regular practice of clearing away the clutter and reclaiming that joy and power. Now in, in book three, let's get to this juicy, joyful work of using the power that is ours to deliberately create a brighter, better future. And this is where he's talking about the last three of the eight limbs. Um, and he combines them to call them samyama. 
samyama, meaning the, the dharana, the dhyana, and the samadhi flowing together, pulsing together in these cycles. And we'll get into that in this podcast. Now, um, chapter four, or book four of the sutras is called the Kaivalyapada. And it's super cosmic. It's really about the soul's journey beyond the human experience. So very ethereal and otherworldly. Okay, but let's get back to this podcast in book three. Now, in some interpretations of the sutras, it seems like Patanjali is being really strict about what we should and should not do, and what we should and should not think and feel to keep this mind steady. But he's not really judging here. He's just reporting clearly the tendencies of the human mind and how if they go unchecked, those tendencies can accumulate and grossly misdirect our energy and cause a life of suffering. In, in chapter one, he, he's talking about, or in book one, he's talking about how the muddled mind hides our power. In, in um, chapter two, he, he shows practices for cleaning up the mind. And in chapter three, he's showing us how we can focus this clear mind energy towards deliberate creation. It's really brilliant, systematic, the way he laid it out. And then again, in chapter four, he's reminding us that in the end, you're going to let all this physical stuff go. And the true treasure that we take with us, he's reminding us, is the love that we shared, the joy that we experienced while we were here. So it's really all about the energy. Okay, so Patanjali is telling us, you are the creator of your own reality. And many ancients have taught us that we are living a dream and we are the dreamers of the dream. This is what the Mayans were telling us. This is what the na many Native Americans very clearly laid out for us. We all, from the soul perspective, dreamt the dream of our life in sort of a framework way um, before we came here. And then while we're here, we're free to refine it. So we do this individually for our own personal adventure, and we also do it collectively for the expansion of the whole. And if you just pause here and you think about times in your life where you have deep inside yourself made a fundamental change, made a strong determined decision to live a different life, that's you changing the pathway of your own dream. That's you stepping back into your power as a creator and making a decision before it's showing itself anywhere outside of you. You change the energy inside of you. I am going to live in this new way. And that energetic channel that you create is really the essence of the Vibhutipada. So the crux of the teachings uh, is that we are powerful focus, focusers of energy. We are focusers of energy. That's our flashpoint of power. Form always follows energy. So by putting our attention to just what we want to experience and holding it there with steady faith and easy trust, that's how we bring about our desires. And then there's an interesting paradox there because sometimes when we want something, we feel an, uh, an urgency. Gotta have it right now. And within that urgency or pushing towards a desire, we create resistance that actually holds it apart from us. So this is again that balance that is just, it's like the alchemy of creation. To want something passionately, but to trust that the universe has to orchestrate the details in order for it to come forth in a way that serves our highest and serves those around us. So that's where that steady faith and easy trust come in. Okay, but 
in general, most of us don't do this. We don't pause from the spin of our daily life to sit down and say, I'm a creator. What do I want to create? Let's go inside, clear the mind, and focus on it in this happy, easeful way. Most of us don't bother doing that. So we're missing the point of, the big point of our own power. And Patanjali so beautifully is saying, look, I've laid it out right here. I've experienced it myself, and I want, to, I want all of you to experience this shimmering, joyful power. So good for you for listening to this podcast, and it probably means you're you've stepped deeply into the yoga path. Okay, so we, we tend to allow our minds just to get muddled with the trappings of, of drama and, and the trappings of what is right in front of our face and without making the effort to clear the mind and hold focus on a desired future, like thinking about something that hasn't yet come to be. Oh, that's so powerful. So in the Vibhutipada, Patanjali is saying, now that you've cleaned up your ethics, right, with the yamas and niyamas, your body with the asana and pranayama, now that you've deepened your breath and trained your mind to turn inward with prachahara, you can hear these are the first of the five limbs, let's venture into using the mind as the creative tool it was, it was designed to be. And so he's saying, let's go into dharana, dhyana, samadhi. Let's see what kind of alchemists we can be for a brighter future. So he's saying thoughts have power. In situations where there is zero resistance, which is very rare here on earth, <laughs> but in situations where there's zero resistance, a thought may get immediate results. Have you ever been in a relaxed and dreamy state and you've thought of something really clearly, someone or something, and then almost instantly you've received a manifestation of it. I think we've all had that sort of, oh, dreamy, I'm thinking about this person, I remember when we were together, and the phone rings, and it's that person. And that's exactly what Patanjali is talking about. Those, those are, are not coincidences. That's just the way that focusing energy in that relaxed and easy way works. It creates manifestations. So, yeah, almost everyone has had these mystical coincidences. But most of the time when we want something, the thoughts come with a little cloud of doubt, right? So I want that new level of abundance, we say, but people like me don't get wealthy. Or there's some story that's, that's creating resistance and holding you apart from that, which you want. So it's in the density of that resistance that the manifestation is delayed, yeah? So if we hold limiting ideas of what's possible, we create that denser vibration that is different than the vibration of having the thing that we want. And since you can't receive anything that you're not a vibrational match to, we hold ourselves apart. So this is, this, again, the subtlety of the teachings that Patanjali is offering to us. So even though our desires are, are instantly answered by source, they always are on a vibrational level, the goods can't get to us until we completely trust, completely trust that the way will be shown and we're worthy to receive. In other words, we have to really feel the power of source energy and really feel ourselves as source energy, as an extension of source energy uh, to let it in. So the only thing holding the manifestation back, everything that you've ever asked for is in, let's say, a vibrational escrow, as Abraham Hicks says, a vibrational escrow account waiting for you, right? It's waiting for you to let go of your resistance and trust, yeah? 
and then it can come in. And that resistance and trust is usually in the form of ignorance or doubt or unworthiness. So again, we come back into the yamas and niyamas and those practices that start to clean up these more downpolling vibrations of ignorance, doubt, and unworthiness. And so again, this is, this is a lifestyle. It's not about getting it right once. You're just living this and you're dancing the dance of, oh, purifying the desires that come up, seeing them as holy, seeing myself as good and holy, my joy as the true gift I'm giving, and then opening myself to receive this new thing, and then going to the next level. Okay, what's next for me? Now I want to create this. So maybe you've noticed that some things in your life come very easily for you and other things are challenging. Right? Perhaps finances have been a no-brainer from early on. You pay your bills, no problem. You enjoy buying power, freedom to fly first class, make choices. Right? You're secure in your ability to bring in the big bucks. Some people, seem, it just seems to come naturally. And a lot of that is because the stories around abundance were very open and positive as they were growing up. And it could be part of what the soul brought in too. But perhaps this person in the health and well-being department is struggling. Yeah? Maybe the body doesn't look or feel the way that they want it to and they wonder what's going on. They feel nervous and powerless in that area. What if I get a disease? What if I'm uh, this size or this way of looking for the rest of my life? I don't like it. And so their ability to feel the free, powerful flow of source energy in uh, the well-being realm is just not as strong as perhaps it is in the financial realm. And this is, again, about resistance, some limiting stories in a certain realm or aspect of life that just isn't present in another one. So it's different for each of us, and, and part of the fun exploration of changing ourselves, of redreaming ourselves and giving birth to a new self is to look at this honestly and then decide to make a change and then enjoy the unfolding of your new dream as it follows on the heels of your strong decision. And this is Patanjali's message in the Vibhuti Pada. Anything you can imagine, he says, anything you can imagine, you can receive. If you're willing to focus with unwavering steadiness, and, and, and that's the key. We have to practice this focus with unwavering steadiness. Now, he doesn't mean, oh my gosh, day in and day out, day in and day out. You must focus on that which you want. The mind isn't really designed to do that. You can feel how steam would come out of your ears and your jaw would just lock if you were trying to harness your mind and think only of, of, of what is wanted. Think only of what is wanted. Uh, and the, the vibration around that becomes one of rigidity. Yeah, and discipline and, and emotion is just as important as thought. And that's, again, where that easy trust and that faith comes in. And there's also a pulsation that happens here. The mind, it, it, you can sense it just like a heartbeat and the pulse of your breath and the pulse of day and night and the, the pulse of the seasons. The mind will go easily into fantasy and delight in the visioning of something new. And then it will need to do the dishes, do the laundry, right? Get the kids to school, right? And then, oh, there's a mo moment here where I can go inside and go back to that delicious fantasy and add a detail. And, oh, now it's time to clean the house. And it is natural to have this pulsation. And it's important for us to give ourselves a break and understand that 
unwavering steady focus does not mean that the mind isn't allowed to pulse. It should be. It means that when we're meditating, the focus is on the delight of what is wanted rather than the fear and doubt that it will come. Yeah, that's where the unwavering steadiness comes in. Yeah. Okay, so in the, the second part of this podcast, we start to get into the detail of the Vibhutipada and some of these practices of unwavering steady focus that brings about the manifestations that bring us greater joy. And, and I'll, I'll end with this. Often we're taught on a spiritual path to be selfless. And so as we're talking about being great creators and creating our heart's desires, part of us might, that's maybe, maybe raised with, with more strictness and austerity, might rise up and say, but, but is my joy important? Aren't I supposed to be holy and take care of others and not care so much about my own pleasure? Here's the key. It is only when we are in a state of full joy or samadhi that our true goodness and love and power to make betterment for others, that's the only way it can come through. That's the only way it can come true. The only true gift we have to give is our own happiness. So anything we do to make ourselves joyful, empowered, and happy is the highest offering we can make to others. And as we shift sometimes because we've been held away from our own pleasures, as we shift this attitude, we might have to sort of wonk over to the other side and be like, oh, I'm going to buy it the wardrobe of my dreams and a red sports car and, and I'm going to manifest all of this abundance and relationship and I'm going to unleash my ability to receive earthly pleasures. We may have to do that. Some people do, but you know what? Trust the human soul. We get over that and we think, okay, I'm done with that, right? I've received all of that. What's next? We're, and the thing that, that the, the thing that really satisfies our desire is to co-create with others and include them in the benefit of the pleasures that we're receiving for ourselves. We have to trust that, allow ourselves to go through it and come naturally to that natural state of beingness because it is our natural essence to be in unity and harmony and want to delight with others in the pleasures of the earth. So I'll leave you with that note. Your joy is your covenant. Your joy is your highest purpose. Your joy and satisfaction is the only true gift you can give to others because you inspire them to reach for their own joy, their own power when you do that. Thanks for tuning in.